Hello and welcome to Alice is Everywhere. Today is the day that a lot of you have been waiting for, I'm sure. It's Mad Tea Party Day! Yay! Let's review a teensy bit first. In Chapter 6, Pig and Pepper, Alice had a nice chat with Cheshire Cat, in which he told her, and I quote, In that direction lives a hatter, and in that direction lives a march hare. Visit either you like. They're both mad. Alice decides that the March Hare will be more interesting than the Hatter because she's met Hatters before, and she reasons that maybe the March Hare won't be all that mad because it's May. Hmm, let's see if she's right. Chapter 7, A Mad Tea Party There was a table set out under a tree in front of the house, and the March Hare and the Hatter were having tea at it. A dormouse was sitting between them, fast asleep, and the other two were using it as a cushion, resting their elbows on it and talking over its head. Very uncomfortable for the dormouse, thought Alice. Only as it's asleep, I suppose it doesn't mind. The table was a large one, but the three were all crowded together at one corner of it. No room, no room, they cried out when they saw Alice coming. There's plenty of room, said Alice indignantly, and she sat down in a large armchair at one end of the table. Have some wine, the march hare said in an encouraging tone. Alice looked all around the table, but there was nothing on it but tea. I don't see any wine, she remarked. There isn't any, said the March Hare. Well, then it wasn't very civil of you to offer it, said Alice angrily. It wasn't very civil of you to sit down without being invited, said the March Hare. Well, I didn't know it was your table, said Alice. It's laid for a great many more than three. Your hair wants cutting, said the Hatter. He had been looking at Alice for some time with great curiosity, and this was his first speech. You should learn not to make personal remarks, Alice said with some severity. It's very rude. The Hatter opened his eyes very wide on hearing this, but all he said was, Why is a raven like a writing desk? Come, we shall have some fun now, thought Alice. I'm glad they've begun asking riddles. I believe I can guess that, she added aloud. Do you mean that you think you can find out the answer to it, said the March Hare? Well, exactly so, said Alice. Then you should say what you mean, the March Hare went on. Well, I do, Alice hastily replied. At least, at least I mean what I say. That's the same thing, you know. Not the same thing a bit, said the Hatter. Why, you might as well just say that I see what I eat is the same thing as I eat what I see. You might just as well say, added the March Hare, that I like what I get is the same thing as I get what I like. You might just as well say, added the Dormouse, which seemed to be talking in its sleep, that I breathe when I sleep is the same thing as I sleep when I breathe. It is the same thing with you, said the Hatter. And here the conversation dropped, and the party sat silent for a minute while Alice thought about all she could remember about ravens and writing desks, which wasn't much. The Hatter was the first to break the silence. What day of the month is it? he said, turning to Alice. He had taken his watch out of his pocket and was looking at it uneasily, shaking it every now and then and holding it to his ear. Alice considered a little and then said, The fourth. Two days wrong, sighed the Hatter. I told you butter wouldn't suit the works, he added, looking angrily at the March Hare. It was the best butter, the March Hare meekly replied. Yes, but some crumbs must have got in as well, the Hatter grumbled, and you shouldn't have put it in with the bread knife. The March Hare took the watch and looked at it gloomily. Then he dipped it into his cup of tea and looked at it again, but he could think of nothing better to say than his first remark. It was the best butter, you know. Alice had been looking over his shoulder with some curiosity. Well, what a funny watch, she remarked. It tells the day of the month and doesn't tell what o'clock it is. 
Why should it, muttered the Hatter. Does your watch tell you what year it is? Of course not, Alice replied very readily, but that's because it stays the same year for such a long time together. Which is just the case with mine, said the Hatter. Alice felt dreadfully puzzled. The Hatter's remark seemed to her to have no sort of meaning in it, and yet it was certainly English. I don't quite understand you, she said as politely as she could. The Dormouse is asleep again, said the Hatter, and he poured a little hot tea upon its nose. The Dormouse shook its head impatiently and said, without opening its eyes, Of course, of course, just what I was going to remark myself. Have you guessed the riddle yet? The Hatter said, turning to Alice again. No, I give it up, Alice replied. What's the answer? I haven't the slightest idea, said the Hatter. Nor I, said the March Hare. Alice sighed wearily. I think you might do something better with the time, she said, than wasting it and asking riddles that have no answers. If you knew time as well as I do, said the Hatter, you wouldn't talk about wasting it. It's him. I don't know what you mean, said Alice. Of course you don't, the Hatter said, tossing his head contemptuously. I dare say you never even spoke to time. Well, perhaps not. Alice cautiously replied, but I know I have to beat time when I learn music. Ah, that accounts for it, said the Hatter. He won't stand beating. Now, if you only kept on good terms with him, he'd do almost anything you like with the clock. For instance, suppose it were nine o'clock in the morning, just time to begin lessons. You'd only have to whisper a hint to time, and round goes the clock in a twinkling. Half past one, time for dinner. I only wish it was, the March Hare said to itself in a whisper. Well, that would be grand, certainly, said Alice thoughtfully, but then... I shouldn't be hungry for it, you know. Not at first, perhaps, said the Hatter, but you could keep it at half-past one as long as you liked. Is that the way you manage, Alice asked? The Hatter shook his head mournfully. Not I, he replied. We quarreled last March, just before he went mad, you know, pointing with his teaspoon at the March Hare, and it was the great concert given by the Queen of Hearts, and I had to sing, Twinkle, twinkle, little bat, how I wonder what you're at. You know the song, perhaps. I've heard something like it, said Alice. It goes on, you know, the Hatter continued, in this way, up above the world you fly, like a tea tray in the sky, twinkle, twinkle. Here the Dormouse shook itself and began singing in its sleep. Twinkle, 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 and went on so long that they had to pinch it to make it stop. Well, I'd hardly finished the first verse, said the Hatter, when the Queen bawled out, He's murdering the time! Off with his head! Well, how dreadfully savage, exclaimed Alice. And ever since that, the Hatter went on in a mournful tone, He won't do a thing I ask. It's always six o'clock now. A bright idea came into Alice's head. Is that the reason so many tea things are put out here, she asked? Yes, that's it, said the Hatter with a sigh. It's always tea time, and we've no time to wash the things between whiles. Then you keep moving round, I suppose, said Alice. Exactly so, said the Hatter, as the things get used up. But what happens when you come to the beginning again, Alice ventured to ask. Suppose we change the subject, the March Hare interrupted, yawning. I'm getting tired of this. I vote the young lady tell us a story. Oh, I'm afraid I don't know one, said Alice, rather alarmed at the proposal. Then the Dormouse shall, they both cried. Wake up, Dormouse! And they pinched it on both sides at once. The Dormouse slowly opened his eyes. I wasn't asleep, it said in a hoarse, feeble voice. I heard every word you fellows were saying. Tell us the story, said the March Hare. Yes, please do, pleaded Alice. And be quick about it, added the Hatter, or you'll be asleep again before it's done. Once upon a time there were three little sisters. The Dormouse began in a great hurry, and their names were Elsie, Lacey, and Tilly, and they lived at the bottom of a well. Oh, what did they live on? said Alice, who always took a great interest in questions of eating and drinking. 
They lived on Treacle, said the Dormouse, after thinking a minute or two. Well, they couldn't have done that, you know, Alice gently remarked. They'd have been ill. So they were, said the Dormouse, very ill. Alice tried a little to fancy to herself what such an extraordinary way of living would be like, but it puzzled her too much, so she went on. But why did they live at the bottom of a well? Take some more tea, the March Hare said to Alice very earnestly. Oh, I've had nothing yet, Alice replied in an offended tone, so I can't take more. You mean you can't take less, said the Hatter. It's very easy to take more than nothing. Well, nobody asked your opinion, said Alice. Oh, who's making personal remarks now? The Hatter asked triumphantly. Alice did not know what to say to this, so she helped herself to some tea and bread and butter, and then turned to the Dormouse and repeated her question. Why did they live at the bottom of a well? The Dormouse again took a minute or two to think about it, and then said, It was a treacle well. Oh, there's no such thing. Alice was beginning very angrily, but the Hatter and the March Hare went shh, 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 and the Dormouse sulkily remarked, If you can't be civil, you'd better finish the story yourself. No, no, please go on, Alice said very humbly. I won't interrupt you again. I dare say there may be one. One indeed, said the Dormouse indignantly. However, he consented to go on. And so these three little sisters, they were learning to draw, you know. Well, what did they draw? said Alice, quite forgetting her promise. Treacle, said the Dormouse, without considering at all this time. I want a clean cup, interrupted the Hatter. Let's all move one place on. He moved on as he spoke, and the Dormouse followed him. The March Hare moved into the Dormouse's place, and Alice rather unwillingly took the place of the March Hare. The Hatter was the only one who got any advantage from the change, and Alice was a good deal worse off than before, as the March Hare had just upset the milk jug into his plate. Alice did not wish to offend the Dormouse again, so she began very cautiously. But I don't understand. Where did they draw the treacle from? You can draw water out of a water well, said the Hatter, so I should think you could draw treacle out of a treacle well. Eh, stupid? But they were in the well, Alice said to the Dormouse, not choosing to notice this last remark. Of course they were, said the Dormouse. Well in. This answer so confused poor Alice that she let the Dormouse go on for some time without interrupting it. They were learning to draw, the Dormouse went on, yawning and rubbing its eyes, for it was getting very sleepy. And they drew all manner of things, everything that begins with an M. Why an M, said Alice. Why not, said the March Hare. Alice was silent. The Dormouse had closed its eyes by this time and was going off into a doze, but on being pinched by the Hatter, it woke up again with a little shriek and went on, That begins with an M, such as mousetraps and the moon and memory and muchness. You know, you say things are much of a muchness. Did you ever see such a thing as a drawing of a muchness? Really, now you ask me, said Alice, very much confused. I don't think. Then you shouldn't talk, said the Hatter. This piece of rudeness was more than Alice could bear. She got up in great disgust and walked off. The Dormouse fell asleep instantly, and neither of the others took the least notice of her going, though she looked back once or twice, half hoping that they would call after her. The last time she saw them, they were trying to put the Dormouse into the teapot. Well, at any rate, I'll never go there again, said Alice, as she picked her way through the wood. It's the stupidest tea party I ever was at in all my life. Just as she said this, she noticed that one of the trees had a door leading right into it. Well, that's very curious, she thought, but everything's curious today. I think I may as well go in at once. And in she went. Once more, she found herself in the long hall and close to the little glass table. Now I'll manage better this time, she said to herself, and began by taking the little golden key and unlocking the door that led into the garden. Then she set to work nibbling at the mushroom. She had kept a piece of it in her pocket till she was about a foot high. Then she walked down the passage and then 
she found herself at last in the beautiful garden among the bright flower beds and the cool fountains. Yee! Alice is finally in the garden. I'm sure everything will be just wonderful now that she has found her way into those bright flower beds and cool fountains. Or will it? We'll have to wait until next time. I kind of just want to drop the mic and leave right now because how perfect is this chapter? What can I possibly add that can make it any more delightful? Probably nothing, but I'm going to start babbling anyway. So, this chapter starts with Alice striding right over to the March Hare's table, and despite their cries of no room, no room, she sits herself right down. I had a mad tea party for my birthday five or six years ago, and anyone that showed up late, I had everyone yell no room at them when they walked in, which truly amused no one but me. But it was my birthday, darn it. By the way, all those folks telling you how to host a Mad Hatter's tea party on Pinterest, we're at the March Hare's house, people. If it's anyone's tea party, it's the March Hare's. Get with the program. So we've got this lovely, iconic scene so beautifully illustrated by John Tenniel. Alice is at the head of the table in an easy chair, looking annoyed. Despite it being a huge, long table, the March Hare and Hatter are squished very close together at her end of the table, and the Dormouse is sleeping between them. Now, a dormouse is an actual, real-life rodent. He lives mostly in Europe, and those of you who took or take Spanish or French or Latin at school are probably realizing that dormir would be the root word for sleep. If you did not realize that, don't feel bad, because I think it took me about 20 years before I did. And it was a little disappointing for me, actually, when I did. I prefer the, the complete randomness of one of the guests at the tea party just falling asleep repeatedly to it actually making sense. But sure enough, the Dormouse is called that because he hibernates for a long time. Also, he's nocturnal, so he would be sleeping during the day. Completely logical. I've read that Dormice were popular pets in Victorian times and that children often kept them in teapots. I hesitate to disseminate that information because honestly, it just sounds too wonderful to be true. Let's talk about the March Hare. He speaks to Alice first. He offers her some wine. And of course, there isn't any wine. Very much like Alice's first exchange with the Duchess, we can tell right away that this isn't going to be any normal conversation. Mad as a March Hare was, and maybe still is, a saying in England. It was mentioned in some literature as early as the 1500s. The origin of the phrase is that rabbits act pretty crazy during mating season. And in England, the mating season happens to be mostly in March. As with any figure of speech, mad as a March hare is not to be taken 100% literally. The mating season of the hare doesn't start March 1st and then March 31st, and then the hare goes back to acting sane on April 1st or anything like that. Now, the Cheshire Cat flat out told us the March hare is mad. But in the original illustration, we get another clue as well. He's got hay on his head. Apparently, in Victorian times, if you painted or drew someone with hay on his head, it meant he's insane. I say apparently because I've read that, but I've never once seen any painting of anyone with hay on his head. I've only seen the March Hare depicted that way. But I read it online, so it must be true. On to the Hatter. Again, Cheshire Cat told us the Hatter is mad. We've got no reason to doubt him. The origin of mad as a hatter, however, is a little fuzzier than mad as a March Hare. Much has been made of the theory that hatters in Victorian times quite often suffered the effects of mercury poisoning, 
Hatters used mercury to stiffen their fabric, and after doing that over the long term, they could develop tremors and slurred speech and sometimes even hallucinations. But the idea that it was mercury poisoning causing these problems did not come to light until at least a few decades after Alice's Adventures in Wonderland was written. So, Lewis Carroll may have personally (laughs) known some hatters in his day, that exhibited some of these symptoms, and perhaps that's what inspired him to make one of his mad characters a hatter. But he almost definitely didn't know about the whole mercury poisoning connection. That came later. Another theory is that the expression mad as an adder, A-D-D-E-R, D as in dog, got changed to mad as a hatter over the years. An adder is a snake, so originally mad as an adder would have meant like as mean as a snake or a viper. And the plot thickens even further. Apparently, there was an eccentric fellow who lived in Oxford, where Charles Lutwidge Dodson lived, who was kind of a crazy inventor, Doc Brown type. He would walk around town in a top hat, and I'm not even kidding you, people referred to him as the Mad Hatter. So, a lot of different theories on the Mad Hatter's origins. We don't know for sure what Lewis Carroll's thinking was, and really... The Hatter's so perfect just the way he is. Who cares where he came from? After Alice and the March Hare bicker a little bit, the Hatter's first words are an insult, your hair wants cutting, which he immediately follows up with, why is a raven like a writing desk? Alice is pleased because she thinks he has asked her a riddle, but we learn later he has no idea what the answer is. There have been entire books on why is a raven like a writing desk. There's so much to talk about. I'm going to have an entire episode on just that very topic later on. So all I'm going to say to you right now is, when Lewis Carroll wrote Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, there was no answer. For realsies. He had no answer to the riddle in mind. (laughs) So aggravating. Maddening, just like the Hatter. When the Hatter says he doesn't have the slightest idea what the answer is, Alice says, I think you might do something better with the time than wasted in asking riddles that have no answers. The Hatter corrects her that time is a he, not an it, And now we get to one of the most fascinating and I think unexplored parts of the chapter. We learn why this trio is always at tea time. The Hatter tells Alice that he performed at a concert for the Queen of Hearts. He sang Twinkle Twinkle Little Bat, which is of course a spoof of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, and the Queen was not a fan and screamed that he was murdering the time meaning he's doing an exceptionally poor job at tempo and rhythm. Alice already introduced the phrase beating time in terms of music a little earlier. So, time was so angry at Hatter, he made it so that it was always 6 o'clock, always tea time. So the Hatter and March Hare and Dormouse are effectively sentenced to an endless mad tea party. Which truly, I think, is the trippiest concept in the entire book. It's so completely bizarre and fascinating. And our Tea Party trio, they are not happy about this. The Mad Hatter is described as explaining it in a mournful tone. When the Hatter mentions dinner time, the March Hare whispers, Oh, I only wish it was. The whole situation is really sad when you think about it. Although it's funny, you'd think they'd be a little happier at Alice's arrival if they could never leave their table. Like maybe a new face would make things a little more interesting, but they don't exactly welcome her with open arms. I wasn't a huge fan of the 2010 Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland movie, but I just saw the new trailer for the sequel. And I have to say I'm intrigued because Sasha Baron Cohen plays the character of Time, and it looks like the movie may center on Hatter's feud with Time. 
which is pretty exciting and I don't think has been explored in other adaptations as far as I know. Early in the chapter, Alice and the March Hare and the Hatter have a little exchange about whether I mean what I say means the same thing as I say what I mean. I'm going to make a little callback here to chapter one. When Alice falls down the rabbit hole and she's missing her cat, she starts saying, but do cats eat bats, I wonder. And then she goes on saying to herself, do cats eat bats? Do cats eat bats? And sometimes, do bats eat cats? For you see, as she couldn't answer either question, it didn't much matter which way she put it. Okay, I bring that up because mad as they supposedly are, the March Hare and Hatter completely disprove Alice's theory that it doesn't matter what order you put your words in. I like what I get certainly does not mean the same thing as I get what I like. Now, the Dormouse's story. Alice keeps interrupting him, and you have to assume this is Lewis Carroll recalling how it was when he told the real Alice and her sister's stories in real life. If you'll recall, in the poem All in the Golden Afternoon, he says Edith interrupts the tale not more than once a minute. Now remember, Lewis Carroll was careful to put in things that Alice and her sister would recognize throughout his stories. When the Dormouse tells his tale, he says that the three sisters who live at the bottom of the well are Elsie, Lacey, and Tilly. Now that may seem random, but Elsie, E-L-S-I-E, represents Alice's big sister, Lorena, whose initials are L-C, Lorena Charlotte. Lacey is an anagram for Alice, and apparently Alice's little sister Edith's nickname in real life was Matilda, so that would be Tilly. Not sure how you get Matilda from Edith, but there you go. The Dormouse does not have Mad as part of his moniker, but I think this story he tells is one of the most insane things in the entire book. When Alice interrupts for the last time saying, I don't think, and the Hatter cuts her off with the very quotable quote, then you shouldn't talk, Alice is finally done with this bag of mixed nuts and she leaves. And what does she come across? A door in a tree. She walks in, we're back in the long hallway of doors, and yes, she finally makes her way into the garden. Oh my gosh. So much information in one episode. We didn't even talk about it was the best butter. I considered making this episode a two-parter, but I was just too stuck on the idea of the first 12 episodes matching up to 12 chapters of the book. Maybe I'll have a bonus tea party episode in the future. Yes, perfect. And I can include any theories you guys have too. So please share any mad tea party thoughts with me via social media or email me at Heather at aliceseverywhere.com. As always, any reviews you can stick up on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere else are so appreciated. I had so much fun today, guys. I hope you did too. Talk soon.